masturbated ladies, Sonny McCandless. I'm really glad to have you. I've just have been reading a lot of your blogs online and I've followed you on Instagram for a while. So it's cool to meet you in real life. I know. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So let's start at the beginning. How did you first get into climbing? Actually, my sister taught me how to climb. Uh-huh. She She's always sort of been the more adventurous one between the two of us. And my whole life has sort of been Jamie going out and doing things and me sort of tentatively following behind her being like, okay, if you're right there and I can hold your hand, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, I was still living in North Carolina and she had moved to Seattle and she had gotten into, um, I don't know if you know, Bow Alps or like the Boeing Alpine group and like all of these sort of mm-hmm. Alpine climbing clubs. And she was like, oh, I'm really getting into rock climbing. You have to try it. And like, I'd kind of I knew about it as an idea, and I think I'd been to an indoor gym once as a kid, but Mm -hmm. I never really thought about it more than that, and so I went out to visit her, and she took me to the gym one day, and then she took me outdoor climbing once, and it was funny, because at the time, I was like, this is fun, like, my boxing class is also fun, and hip-hop class is also fun, you know, it's just like one of these things that I do, and I'm not good at, and then just something transitioned. I think I did a couple more like outdoor climbing days, and was suddenly like, actually, this is really fun. Mm-hmm. And then in August, like two years ago or two and a half or almost three years ago now, I was sort of like, I think this is something I want to do more. And kind of all of my different gym memberships had ended, and my dance classes had ended, and I ended up just sort of diving into climbing. Mm-hmm. And what, what did that look like? Were you going to the gym or kind of involved with those groups like your sister? Yeah, no, I was never really into alpinism. I started by, I mean, I had uh, a couple outdoor climbing days, like going to Vantage, Washington, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you've been to. That's where doing... Jenny Swallows is. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, I didn't even put that together. I know, like, ride them cowgirl in those ones. So I'm like, oh, I'm not surprised to hear there's yeah. a Jenny Swallows route. Yeah. Um, but so we would go out there, but mostly then, like, winter hit. And so mm-hmm. I was like, almost purely climbing at vertical world yeah and actually it took me a really long time to get into bouldering too so it wasn't for like another year that I even went to SBP or anywhere like that yeah but solely rope climbing is your sister older than you yeah she is okay so you have that mm-hmm. that kind of protective <laughs> sister <laughs> happening you've gotten thrust into the climbing world pretty intensely for just being a couple of years yeah, yeah basically the last I mean the last three years but really the last two years I mean mm-hmm. I think I had a pretty, I think I've packed a lot of experience into a small amount of time because not long after, you know, like three years ago I learned, but then like a year later or yeah, basically a year later I decided to quit my job and Mm -hmm. go on the road for about a year. Mm -hmm. And so, and that was like right after I met Alex. And so he and I went to Switzerland and France for a year and Mm -hmm. like climbed in places like Seyus. And so there was a very like rude introduction to being like here's what climbing is yeah rude in the sense of like very abrupt yes and so uh yeah but it was I mean it's been it's now it's just like so much a part of my life I can't Mm -hmm. really imagine not having it there Mm -hmm. (laughs) that makes sense it's funny how it kind of worms its way into life oh yeah where where it becomes yeah kind of integral the one thing about Vegas is it's 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 like all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm dry. I know. Yeah, especially for a Washingtonian. You're like, yeah. where's the moisture? I washed my hair yesterday, and it was dry in, like, 15 minutes. It's like, I got a lot of hair. Remember that takes a, like, overnight like, Usually scenario. this is, yeah, totally. <laughs> this is usually a multi-day mm-hmm. thing. So um, how comfortable are you with having people quote yourself at you? 
<laughs> I don't know if it's ever happened. Was that a good <laughs> sentence? No. Jeez. So I've been reading your blog, which mm-hmm. if any of you listeners haven't, go to it. It's called 35 Degrees West. I don't know what your URL is off the top of my head, but I can insert that if you do not you I know it. I think it's at 35degreeswest.wordpress.com. .wordpress.com. Oh, God, and I got to go back. I got to go back to why you started living on the road, but let's... Let, yeah, let's do that. We'll go to quotes later. Okay. Um. So what precipitated you quitting your job and moving into a van? Like, what was happening in your head? Yeah. So I had taken some time off between college and working full time mm-hmm. and gone to Europe and just sort of... <clears throat> we ended up... My cousin and I ended up doing this pro- program called Workaway. And you basically can say, like, what country you want to go to, what area of work you want to do, mm-hmm. you know, all pretty basic, like... Do you want to do house cleaning? Do you want to do teaching English? Do you want to do farming? Do you want to do um, administration or whatever? And then you basically get offers from people all over the world who are looking for somebody to come, like, work at their Airbnb or work at their hostel or live with their kids and teach them English. Uh And so you could get, like, nanny jobs or whatever. And Mm -hmm. so my cousin and I ended up living in Cordoba, Spain and working at this Airbnb, helping clean it and stuff. And I kind of just recognized, like, wow, this is not even that crazy, you know, Mm -hmm. and people would treat something like that as like, and I think now it's becoming more and more common for people to just like take time off and go on big trips. But I was like, why wouldn't I do this every couple years? Like, why wouldn't I go have a job for a couple years and then save some money and then go live abroad for a while? Mm -hmm. And so it had always been in the back of my head, like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go take time off again. And then I started working and, you know, I was two years in and I was sort of like, there's definitely more I could learn from this job, but mm-hmm. part of me is starting to get really restless. And then I was sort of deciding if I wanted to do another year of work or quit then. And that's around the time I met Alex. And he was like, well, like, I'm on the road. You should join me. And so that was kind of that. that's what precipitated that decision. Mm-hmm. But I always tell people that I don't actually make decisions in life. I just talk about things to the point that it would then be awkward to not do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I've said to so many people that I might do a trip that now it would be embarrassing if I didn't. So I better go do it. To you paint yourself into a corner. Exactly. I'm like, yep, nope, there's no option. Must go do this. That's a really wonderful way to passively... Make big decisions <laughs> Make in big life. Decisions. Well, it's great because I mean, obviously, making really big decisions like that in life is really hard. And yeah. we are always like, "Is it the right decision?" There's so many options, and I think mm-hmm. people really suffer from analysis paralysis yeah. and being like, "There's so many options, and there's a right option, and I don't want to choose wrong." Oh, help! You just and, described my brain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so I think it's really helpful to just kind of pick a direction and talk about it until mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're like, okay, that's what I'm doing. And not, there is no right or wrong. Like mm-hmm. all of them are just going to be experiences and I'm sure I'll learn from them or grow from them mm-hmm. or have fun with them in whatever way unfolds. But, um, dude, you sound like my therapist. <laughs> I, it's, yeah. It's a lot of like coaching <laughs> lingo in there. Yeah. But yeah. So then, um, so then Alex already had a van mm-hmm. and, I had a Subaru that I could sleep out of the back, and I was sort of like, yeah, let's just go see what this adventure turns into. So did you drive the van and the Subaru? No. Well, we went to Europe, and my plan was like, okay, well, maybe. I mean, certain places we had both cars because there were just times in the – like, early on in the relationship, I was like, if we're going to go spend a month in Yosemite, I'm going to go with my car so that I can – 
go to the coast for a bit or if we break up I can just drive away and be great (laughs) and like you know I mean I was always sort of a making make two plans until you're sure type of person yeah so we did that for a while but mostly I mean we just had such a good time on the road that we just seamlessly transitioned to living into in his van so that I feel like kind of like the conventional wisdom is that living in a van being such a small space and tight quarters kind of if not complicates a relationship, but maybe heightens certain situations. <laughs> but I, I mean, personally, I haven't found it to be that way. It's kind of almost like being so close in. It's like mm-hmm. you just got to figure your shit out because there's not room to let it slide. Yeah. Has your, has that kind of been your experience or? Yeah, we never had much trouble transitioning to the van. I think the mm-hmm. hardest thing for us was at some point in all of that, we had to figure out like, you know, that we needed more alone time. Yeah. And it wasn't like From never, each other, yeah, as individuals, as individuals, mm-hmm. and it was never like, I'm getting frustrated. You're always in my way, or like I need to open this cupboard and your head's always there, yeah. or whatever. You know, it was never that. It was or like you're really messy and I'm really clean. It was we we're always really compatible, but I think we are both just pretty independent people. Right. And at some point, we needed to just go do things on our own so that we could. You know, you don't always want to do the same thing every day as somebody else. And I think once we figured that out, we could just go into our day being a little bit more intentional about like, okay, you want to go to this crag. I really want to take a rest day. Yeah. You have these three friends you could text in this area that could go climb with you instead. I could take the van and go do my own thing and go to a Pilates class. Yeah. Let's do that today. dreamy. I know. So bougie. (laughs) At the time, it did feel really bougie. I was like, wow, I'm exercising inside. (laughs) There's like, I could go to the bathroom in this bathroom if I want to or shower afterwards. I'm around people who live in homes. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Crazy. Weird. So yeah, so um, no, but we've always just, I think we've always had a pretty easy time living together. It was always fairly, fairly seamless. I don't know. I haven't lived full time with any other with any other men, and but I from what I've heard, like yeah, if you have a different living style than someone, a van could be rugged. Regardless of gender, it's just like you gotta have enough of the Venn diagram overlapping. Otherwise yeah, it's just constantly headbutting. Totally, and I've had a lot of different <coughs> housemates, and I think part of me is also just used to that, just being like mm-hmm. oh, that, live, like you know, co living spaces. Yeah, yeah, you kind of get used to being like, okay, that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm over here doing what I'm doing. Do you have a toilet in your van? No. We I have, have a pee bucket. A pee bucket? It's a bucket. Yeah. Women need buckets. I'm not going to like pee into some like tiny Dasani bottle or something. I've got a Nalgene. Nalgene is okay. I like it even slightly. We use um, Alex Drinks Gnarly Vegan Protein Meal Replacement and it comes in this like big protein protein have you ever, like if you look think yeah, about yeah, the like protein, protein bucket jar bucket thing. yeah 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 they yeah okay i might have great. to switch to that because there's been mm-hmm. some mishaps yeah i just really liked this one this why the fuck am i talking about this because it has a sorority thing happening on it and i just i was like i'm not the first person to pee in this like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is this has been peed in before yeah no doubt <laughs> and on the subject of peeing how do you feel about having your butt on the internet <laughs> you know you're not the first person to be to ask me that and yeah. i never really thought about it it's, I, it's not the first thing that comes up when you google you i mean when i know but it is like the third or fourth because <laughs> i recently was like huh this like japanese 
random website reposted this picture. That's interesting. Maybe I should have thought more about this. <laughs> but I was always sort of like, whatever. You can see like four inches of my skin. Right. I was like, people post bikini photos on Instagram and nobody bats an eye. Yeah. Like, this is so kosher. <laughs> but I was like, I, I think the only disturbing part was that some people thought that it might be a photo of me pooping and I was so horrified <laughs> that people would think I would do that that I would like ever poop in front of Alex and then have him take a picture I was like oh my god like you think I'm an animal like you think I've lost all realms of like human decency mm-hmm. but no for the record internet never never she's peeing people it's peeing peeing is so different I forgot I could do that. Okay. <clears throat> so we talked about your butt. Yep. <laughs> Got to get that out of there. Got to get that out of the way. What do your parents think about you climbing? I guess your sister has climbed. So you're yeah, not actually, my parents are... I, I have this funny story about when I was... I don't even know, maybe 10 Mm -hmm. or something. My family was driving through Oregon and we stopped at Smith Rock and my parents were like, it's a rock climbing destination. And they had grown up in the era where rock climbing was very like scrambling, fun, adventure style, not using ropes type of thing. And they were like, great, like let's go rock climbing at Smith. So we just like walked up to some wall and like our tennis shoes and they were like, cool, scramble up this. And I was really just like, I was just still in that childhood phase, like, Mm -hmm. totally fearless, where you're like, what is falling? Yeah. And just, like, started, like, scrambling up this gully. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, I think it dawned on my parents, like, oh, no, this is a terrible (laughs) idea. Like, she could fall at any minute. So they're, like, scrambling up behind me, but also sort of like, it's like, let's come down. (laughs) And so the first time I went to Smith, I was like, let's see if I'm as fearless, you know, 15 years later. Um, Were you? Well, I used ropes, (laughs) so I guess not. But um, no, they're they're into climbing, and actually, around the time my sister taught me how to climb, Mm -hmm. she taught them how to climb, and they were actually just out here, and we went bouldering and sport climbing. So that's really adorable. I think they have a lot of fear that they don't talk to me about. You know, I think I'm sure there's times where they sit at home and they're like, "I haven't heard from Sonny a couple days. I hope she's not like." in a ditch somewhere yeah. <laughs> but yeah no they're they handle it quite well that's that's really wonderful it's been a transition for my own mother so I like to ask that question because mm-hmm. I can imagine I can't I'm not a parent but I can imagine as a parent it would be hard yeah and you've written really beautifully about a number of things in your blog one of those things being fear and kind of how your experience with fear and climbing has sort of how you've brought that into the rest of your life mm-hmm. and, and kind of, I don't know if I would say vice versa, but could you talk, could you, you know, talk a little bit about that? Like yeah. wh- what, what is that? Just talk about that. Um, <laughs> well, let's see. I think, I mean, I think to this day fear is probably, I mean, it depends. Like, I think every time you walk up to the crag or walk up to a lead climb, there's days where you just feel totally, like, you don't even think twice about falling or you don't even care or whatever. And then there's days where you walk up and you're like, I don't even, like, I don't even want to climb. Like, I just feel scared or nervous. Ground is a good place. I mean, I have days on multi-pitches where I, like, don't even bat an eye. And then days where I'm like, the rope is going to (laughs) tear. There's no way I will survive this. And, you know... yeah, it's just, it's a funny thing, but 
I think personally it just I had to come to terms with the fact that I was doing a sport that a lot of people would consider dangerous and mm -hmm. what does that look like and what is that my relationship with that mm -hmm. do I am I that person am I okay with that mm -hmm. what are my boundaries what am I okay with what am I not what does yeah. rational fear look like and what does irrational fear look like yeah. and I think everybody should be asking themselves those questions mm -hmm. like recognizing am I afraid right now because I, I'm actually in a dangerous situation am I afraid right now because I, it's you know because I just am but I would be okay if something yeah. happened you yeah. know I think it's kind of healthy to examine that for yourself and make sure you know what you're comfortable with and what kind of fear you're dealing with um but for me it just yeah I mean I just I still do and deal with fear a lot and yeah. I think it plays a big role but the more that I looked at it, the more I think I just, I drew parallels in, into life, which is that ultimately the things that make us the most uncomfortable usually end up being the most rewarding experiences. Yeah. And like, that's worth it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of what your process, assessment process happens when you notice that you're starting to feel afraid. You, you kind of go in and you're like, what is rational? What's irrational? What is my, what's happening if, with my system if mm -hmm. I were to fall? Yeah, definitely. Kind of just like a, just a questioning process, you know, what I, and I think it's also innately when we experience fear, we have this feeling like we should act on it. Mm -hmm. Like think about a lot of people suffer from anxiety and mm -hmm. anxiety by definition is fear over something that hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. Like it's, there's no, there's no reason to like, it, it's just not happening. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and so but when we experience anxiety, when we experience fear, we're like, I need to do something, right? And that's mm -hmm. where you get a lot of, like, compulsive behavior or excessive worrying or you can't sleep because you're like, I should do. And that feeling of recognizing, like, I'm having this feeling, like, do I need to act on it or not? Yeah. And asking yourself that question and being like, it's okay that I feel it. Yeah. It's okay that it's there. But that mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I need to climb differently. It doesn't mean that I need to immediately start down climbing or mm -hmm. that I need to take and get lowered off this route. It could just be like, oh, okay. Unless it's really rational and you're very not safe and you yeah. do need to reassess. Yeah. But most of the time, that's not the case. Yeah. And I feel like it's really cool to hear you articulate that because, you know, one of the things I hear being said kind of over and over again is like, fear is part of climbing, but we don't really go into the specifics of like, what, what do we mean by fear mm -hmm. is part of climbing? Like, is it, you know, we don't want you to just be fucking scared shitless the entire time because totally. that's not going to lend itself to uh a, a, on the whole positive climbing experience and there there's this concept in education which maybe you know about maybe listeners do you know it's weird to talk to listeners when they're not actually happening right now <laughs> but the concept being that we especially as adult learners learn better when we're in a heightened state. So not mm -hmm. to the point where we're freaking the fuck out, but not also not where we're entirely comfortable. Just the kind of like middle ground of between those two places. Right. I like that. I haven't heard of that, but yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, there's something about the, the other chemical, mm -hmm. whatever's happening in the brain that helps memory um, kind of sit in there better. You've also written really beautifully about death and kind of within your larger post, you talk about yourself as someone who maybe isn't particularly reserved and kind of is uh, verbal about what you're experiencing at any one time. And then you wrote, I want death to be no different, no longer taboo and no longer off limits, kind of as something to be talked about and mm -hmm. incorporated into the rest of 
our life experience. And, mm-hmm. and ju- it, you wrote that post a little while ago, and yeah. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you have more thoughts on that now. Or... Yeah, I mean, I think my thoughts are largely the same. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the idea there was just, I'm a big fan of not abiding by sort of, you know, off-list topics. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think in society there's things that, like, you don't talk about and there's things that are appropriate or societal norms. And I'm always a big fan of being super honest and being very real with what's going on Mm -hmm. at any given time with yourself. And I think death is one of those things, right? It's taboo to talk about it. It's taboo to make jokes about it. Yeah. Right. And for good reason, right? Like people feel feel you're going to jinx someone. Yeah. But I think that it, it almost gives, it almost gives it this sort of untouchable quality right mm-hmm. like it's like too much power mm-hmm. and when when something is so powerful we become afraid of it and we don't talk about it and we don't explore it and mm-hmm. I don't know I mean I don't know if that's true for everyone but I just for me it was really powerful to be like I want to talk about dying <laughs> even though it's very uncomfortable mm-hmm. yeah. and so yeah no I mean it was a really hard time and I've had even, you know, we saw another accident in Red Rock um, just a few months ago, and mm-hmm. it's traumatizing. Yeah. And it is, and it makes you, I, I think when I started climbing, I was always like, oh, well, driving a car is the most dangerous thing you do every day. I've said that so many times. Yeah, <laughs> and I was, you know, that was always my mantra, and then I was like, except for that, I don't know anybody who's died in a car crash, yeah. personally. I mean, I, I think a lot of people do. I've seen horrible car crashes, but I don't personally have any friends that have died in a car crash, yeah. and now I have, like, a list of, you know, on two hands of people I know who have died climbing. Yeah. So I'm like... Ooh, that's not really working. <laughs> like, that's not actually really, like, statistically, it seems like something's off there. And, I mean, I'm sure if you dig into the numbers, I think a lot of the statistics around cars are off- obviously, like, accidents, not necessarily mortality yeah. rates. But, I mean, either way, it's sort of, it just struck me that I needed to make sure I was taking things seriously and yeah. not not in a not in a crazy way and... Um, but just to think about it and to think about what it would be like if anything happened to me or anybody I love and yeah. feel ready for that. Yeah. As ready as you can be. Yeah, as ready yeah. as you can be. I don't I'm not like, I'm definitely not ready for that. Yeah. But <laughs> I thought about it. Right. right. Well, and you kind of, uh, like, being able to talk about it and having death be a subject that is broachable, at least lays, mm-hmm. at least maybe lays the groundwork for when death does occur in our lives to be able to be like, this is happening to me over mm-hmm. here. So I just really admired the kind of forethought that you had there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to talk about the fact that you are dating someone who free solos. I mean, do you, do mm-hmm. you want to talk about that? Do you, sure. Yeah. I mean, I just guess, how do you, how do you personally deal with the fact that Alex you know, climbs without protection. I mean, do, yeah. do, what is that like for you? Yeah. I mean, that was a huge part of that death journey. Cause I yeah. was like, Oh man, like the people I love do very dangerous things. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I wanted to comment. I feel like it's very easy, especially when you write a blog, you like, you want to come to some sort of conclusion at the end. Yes. Like here is like what I've decided I feel. And I think like 
everything I've thought about the whole death blog and everything around it since then has been that like I don't have a conclusion and I don't know like there's not one mantra or one thought that really sticks with me other than that like it was helpful to think about it yeah and it was helpful to talk about it and not that I really came to any sort of firm reasoning that made me feel better but just that it was good to put it out there yeah and to say how I felt um but with Alex I mean I do worry I think a lot of people I think a lot of people close to Alex have sort of adopted this mindset of like you just you kind of let go of worrying because it's just not worth it and it's just there's just too many things to worry about and yeah. I definitely do worry about Alex I'm just I yeah. haven't gotten like it was funny the other day we were bouldering and his mom was there and Alex and I were like it was some random bouldering area and there was yeah. a side of this boulder that we were like let's go up these crimps and like do a first descent yeah it's like totally random boulder yeah. that nobody will ever climb again yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the holds were, like, breaking off, and it was, like, an awkward landing, and I was, like, vaguely worried for Alex, because he was at the top and, like, breaking off holds, and I was like, oh, be careful, and somebody made the comment to me, they were like, his mom's right here, and she's not worrying, so you're not allowed to worry, and I was like, his mom has had, you know, 30 more years of practice in not worrying than I have, so I'm going to worry, and I think I'm, like, pretty attuned now to, like, how Alex is doing, and, like, is he in a place where he's, you know, you have to it's easy to look at what Alex does and be like, that's dangerous. I think there's, like, much more nuance to it. Yeah. So you know when you know him well, like, when is he trying hard? When is he totally calm and could do it 500 times and not even bat an eye? Yeah. When is he, you know, when does he feel scared? When does he not feel scared? Yeah. And you kind of... I've climbed with Alex so much that I think I, like, can see those more nuanced moments and then which is maybe helpful but maybe not helpful um (laughs) for your sake yeah (laughs) yeah because I can see when he is scared or when he's not or when he's confident or when he's not yeah but in general Alex is really composed around climbing and really smart in his decision making and Alex soloing is always a really well thought out planned event right most of the time. Yeah. I people love to then quote me like, well, in his book, he said he did this thing when he was angry and he'd never done it before. And I'm like, well, yeah, we've all made mistakes. <laughs> we've all had moments where something wasn't like perfectly thought out. Yeah. But 99% of the time, right. it's a very well thought out idea and process. And yeah. so I trust that process in the same way that I trust any of my friends who climb to check their knots and make sure they're clipped in and whatever it is. And like, I don't worry more about Alex than I do about anybody. Yeah. I think I worry the most about albinists. I think if Alex took up really hardcore albinism, I'd, I'd be a little more afraid, but because of freezing to death, because snow and what snow and really quickly changing weather, I think adds a, a layer of, variability that you can't control for yeah. it's like a whole other layer of you it's know with rock game. you're worried about rock fall and holds breaking yeah with snow you're worried about avalanches sudden storms crevasses you know i mean there's just all of the rock just fall but also cold. snowfall i mean being cold <laughs> yeah. losing fingers yeah. freezing to death it just to me it's like there's like 15 more things that yeah. you now have to put on the table i'm basically like terrified of snow so i'm bored with that one um so bringing the focus back to you there's so many things i just want to ask you about (laughs) no worries um 
but oh no okay there's another piece from your blog this is small this is not about coaching there's another piece from your blog that was really small that just made me feel so happy when i read it and you reference a quote that says in a society that profits from your self-doubt liking yourself is a rebellious act and then later on in the post you just write is this just a huge expose to justify the sheer number of hours i spend in pajamas Maybe, but then again, anybody who loves me is just going to have to love my pajamas too. How much time do you spend in pajamas, Sonny? <laughs> hours and hours, especially now that I work from home. It's a yeah. disaster. Yeah. This is the first time I put on real clothes in weeks. You look very put together. <laughs> I was like going to a dinner tonight and I was like, well, I guess I could put on the real clothes in the afternoon. <laughs> Interesting concept. <laughs> Okay, thanks for that. But just yeah, I just yeah. really enjoyed reading that. Okay, so what you're you're a coach? Yes. And for people who don't really understand what that means, could you kind of give us a spiel? Yeah. So, um, what is life coaching? So I'm I'm a life coach, mm -hmm. and I do specifically sort of transition coaching for the outdoor industry. And mm -hmm. what that means is that all of us have things that we want from life, and it's so easy to get caught up in the everyday schedule, everyday events that we forget to actually put time and energy towards the bigger picture, the mm -hmm. things that we want long-term for ourselves. Yeah. And besides getting just caught up in everyday activity, there's also a large amount of, I mean, there's just, there are things that get in the way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes external, even more often internal, mm -hmm. you know, fear of going after what it is we really want, fear of saying out loud what it is that we really want. Mm -hmm. um, and so life coaching is a way to say, what is it that you want from life? Mm -hmm. Sometimes even just answering that question yeah. is big. Yeah. People don't know. Right. Sometimes they do know, but sometimes they don't. Yeah. What's holding you back? Mm -hmm. So what are those internal factors? What are those external factors? Mm -hmm. And how can we hold you accountable for getting there? Mm -hmm. So it's saying, I'm going to spend an hour every week dedicated towards making change and moving forward in my life. Mm -hmm. My coaching specifically looks at, acknowledges the fact that it is particularly hard to find balance within the outdoor industry because mm -hmm. it's a life that has a lot of demands, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and whether you're part of the industry or you just love being outside or you're a full-time climber or you're just getting into climbing, mm -hmm. it's how do I make that part of my lifestyle in a way that feels balanced and good for me? Right. And I just think a lot of people right now are looking at life and saying, I want more from this and I want a lifestyle that reflects all of my different values and all of my different passions, not mm -hmm. just financial stability mm -hmm. or um, something like that. Mm -hmm. So I work with people, I work with a whole range of people, but all people who have a passion for being outside mm -hmm. to transition their life into something that suits them better, transition mm -hmm. their lifestyle to set goals, to go after whatever, whatever it is that they really want. Yeah. How did you arrive at that as a job? I had studied psychology in school and I was always like, oh, maybe I'll be a therapist or a counselor. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I don't really want to do therapy or counseling. I really mm -hmm. want to help people go do the things that they love. Mm -hmm. And I actually started by looking at hospital social work because I was interested in helping people transition from, say, being diagnosed with an illness to going back to real life and still finding meaning and purpose with, yeah. under new circumstances. Yeah. But then eventually I, I kind of found out that what life coaching could look like mm -hmm. and what, yeah, how that could look in a career, how that could look as a job. Mm -hmm. And I just got really excited about doing one-on work as a full-time career. Mm -hmm. Were you looking for something portable? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, 
I always thought coaching was going to be something I did when I was 40 or, Mm -hmm. you know, or 50. And I was like, oh, I'll do marketing until then. But then at some point it dawned on me, like, why would I put off the thing that I actually am excited about doing for this marketing job that I would like but not love? Yeah. And I just sort of decided, you know, I want to be portable and it's what I want to do long term. Like, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't I start right now? Yeah. Yeah. So then I found a program that I really like to get Mm -hmm. certified and that was kind of the start of it. And so now you do that. That's your job. Mm -hmm. And you and you like it. Yeah, yeah, I you, love it. You Coaching seem very is amazing. Enthusiastic. Oh yeah, it's the best career. I love my clients. Mm-hmm. I feel, you know, after six months of working with people, you really know them, yeah. and you care about their well-being and mm-hmm. their future, yeah. and you have a relationship with them, and every yeah. relationship is unique. Yeah. And um, you're rooting for them. Yeah. And when my clients text me, even after I'm done working with them, yeah. they're like, "Oh, I finally did this thing that you and I had been working towards." Like. It fills me with so much joy. Yeah, that and um, when they text me and they're like, I did my daily meditation today, or I did, yeah. m- like, I worked on my resume, or I applied for this job that I was really scared to apply to, like, that is the best part of my job. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm making a difference. Yeah, yeah. and you're just, you're just part of people's lives in a way that you don't get in other careers, I think. Yeah, that's really, really fascinating, and it is obvious how when you talk about it, how much passion you have for this work, and... I'm really excited to see how that continues to develop for you. Yeah. Let's bring this into the more present day mm-hmm. political climate. Yeah. You recently attended the second annual Women's March mm-hmm. here in Las Vegas. And I don't really know what question to ask you, but I know that you have things you want to say about sexism and and kind of let's let's try to di- let's dive in there. Oh man, this has been so on my mind lately Mm -hmm. obviously because of the women's march obviously because of the like the me too movement Mm -hmm. and the time's up movement Mm -hmm. and and because of climbing and that Mm -hmm. this is coming up in climbing right now too like rei has a force of nature campaign like Mm -hmm. most major brands have some sort of like women's campaign in the outdoor industry Mm -hmm. right now and there's the women's climbing festival working with people like shelma june Mm -hmm. and it's just coming up for me like what do I believe? What am I fighting for? And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And the Women's March was incredibly powerful. And it just brought to the forefront how important these issues are. Mm-hmm. And and it's not... It's like, I think the message that's really important to me is it's never about hating anyone or man-hating mm-hmm. or, or making up lies about the state of the world. It's about really acknowledging where things are at mm-hmm. and saying, you know... Women still are paid, like, 80 cents for every dollar that a man makes for the same jobs. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, that's just totally unacceptable. Just not okay. You know, like, most women, you know, there's, like, crazy stats around sexual harassment in the workplace. Mm-hmm. There's crazy statistics around women being uh, promoted out of entry-level job positions mm-hmm. and how, like, men are basically promoted 30% time, 30% more mm-hmm. than women mm-hmm. from entry-level positions. Yeah. You know, you see it in CEOs, right? Like majority male-dominated world. Yeah. You see it in government, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think one-fifth of Congress is women. Yeah. Like, and that's representing the people. Right. You know, where it's like 50-50. So (laughs) that's crazy. Again, (laughs) to less than 50. Kind of how... So you... I'm really interested in how, in kind of the process that you take. This is not necessarily related to just sexism and feminism, but I hear you say, like, 
you you start with kind of what's happening for me and then you kind of move outward from there. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So, I mean, especially in the climbing industry, I think right now there's a big movement around, you know, where is sexism in the climbing community? Mm -hmm. And there's a big movement. And so there's this kind of weird divide that's happening. Some people are like climbing is a inherently like inclusive sport in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. like a largely that, you know, so much of it is technique even over strength yes. for a good portion of it yes. and, and like body proportion yes. for a good portion of it. Mm-hmm. But people are like, you know what? If sexism exists everywhere, right? there's no chance that it somehow escaped the climbing right. community, right? <laughs> there's no chance that all of the subconscious programming that we have everywhere else in life didn't subtly make it into climbing right. somehow. It doesn't stay in the van when you're at the crag. Totally. Yeah. So it's like, we all are, I mean, society in all these tiny ways mm-hmm. basically reinforces what nature has already done, right? So nature is like, yeah, men will be like stronger than women, yeah. right? Like that's okay. Yeah. But society takes that and like pulls it even farther apart yes. and says, ah, and that's why women should should be nurturing yes. and men should be courageous yes. and women should be empathetic and men should be brave and self-focused and right and like men should do sports and women should do whatever you know like men should do math and science women should do literature and you know I mean I do believe that like women are less encouraged to go out and do adventure sports than men yes so for me like when some random dude walks up to me in the gym and gives me random beta that is not the equivalent of being raped, yeah. right? Like <laughs> on the sexism scale and the inequality scale, like those aren't the equivalent. And I'm not no. going to act as mad at that as I might about other issues. Right. But I do think that like it's about educating people and saying all of these subtle things, like all of these little comments, these like un- like subconscious beliefs like yeah. matter and they're reinforcing bigger picture issues. Right. So for me, it's it's very much about... You can't talk about the little things unless you're also going to talk about the big things. Right. You know, you can't be mad at the dude who assumes he's stronger than you yeah. without also being, you know, drawing into account the bigger picture, which is women who aren't being given an education. So I think that's a big part of it. I think it's about education. Like people grew up in the society that we created. Yes. It's not, you know, I mean, I don't want to say it's not their fault, but like this is the programming they've been given. Right. Right. And if they're not given the opportunity to question that. Or, or the nudge to question that, then how are they expected to just... Totally. Yeah. So you have to be the nudge. You have to be the nudge that says, hey, maybe all of these things that society has taught you aren't quite perfectly right yet. Right. And maybe you should kind of look at what sort of behaviors you might be subtly encouraging yeah. or assuming or yeah. stereotyping. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my spiel about sexism in the climbing world. You know, it's just, it's it has to be... You fight the little things because ultimately you want to fight the bigger things. Right. And you care about them in appropriate amounts of anger. Yeah. <laughs> One should be more angry than the other. Right. Because it does it does a disservice to the whole movement if you go off at someone for spotting you when you didn't ask for a spot. Right? I mean, yeah. that's kind of the idea. You can't get as proportional mad. response. Totally proportional. Yeah. That was the word I was looking for. You can't be as mad at Aziz and Zari as you can at Harvey Weinstein. They are different ends of the spectrum. Yes. They are all part of the same problem. Yeah. But they are proportionately more or less evil. Yeah. 
So, do you have any sense, any advice for other women in the climbing community as far as how to encourage and create a more equal and just society, not only within the climbing world, but more broadly? Do you have any ideas around that? I mean, I think speaking up is huge. Mm -hmm. And also, like, do yourself the service of all of the subconscious programming that men have, we have too. Yeah. So look at yourself, right? You know, make sure that you go in and you don't assume that some guy is going to be stronger than you. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. believe in yourself too. Like, you have all of the things that we're putting on men, like, we should put on ourselves. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's important to speak up when you're uncomfortable. It's important to speak up when you feel that somebody's made an assumption about you. And it's really important to not attack people, but to educate them. Yeah. Because if you attack them, they only respond from a defensive place, which yeah. actually really doesn't help anyone. No. <laughs> so I think it's really hard to be the person in the room that says, I don't like you using the word pussy to mean weak. Yeah. I don't like that, you know, like, can we use baby? Because yeah. babies just aren't offended. Yeah. <laughs> They're fine. <laughs> Whatever. One day there'll be a baby movement, but not today. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it's really hard to be the person that calls your friends out and it's yeah. awkward Yeah. and you, you know, some of your friends are going to be like, Oh, this person's coming around. I better not say anything, you know, like I better button <laughs> it all up. And yeah, they might isolate you. They might make you feel like crap, but like be that person anyway. Yeah. It's kind of similar to what you're talking about with fear and with death is it's kind of, um, it's uncomfortable to be that person and to be in that place, mm -hmm. even to say, I feel like as a woman, it's, and as men too, like, I guess this is a broader societal thing. It's uncomfortable to say I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like it, that's not valued. It's um, vulnerable. It's vulnerable. And it's, it's not something people come. Yeah. People will follow up with like, Hey, that was super brave. They're mm -hmm. just like, now you made the rest of us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, um, what you're saying, like speaking up and kind of doing the thing, even though it's uncomfortable is similar to what I'm hearing you say about, um, fear and death is it's, mm -hmm. it is not progressive, but it is more, you got any words for me, lady? What are you trying to say? I'm trying to think, let's see. It's, I mean, I think progress happens like when we're uncomfortable, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, there we go. It, I think you were on the right track just of. In all of these situations, doing the thing that makes you feel uncomfortable usually ends up broadening your horizons in some way. Yeah. And it's good for you. Yeah. It is. Like, we shouldn't be totally comfortable all the time. We should go put ourselves out there. Yeah. And I think that it's really, it's not always, like, I think it, sometimes we really love to talk about our comfort zone and and like that's outside my comfort zone and I'm yeah. like well maybe that's good yeah <laughs> you know maybe it's good to like push yourself a little there or branch out a little there because yeah. maybe you'll learn something new about yourself yeah that is an incredibly life coach perspective <laughs> you know but I really resonate be like, with coach Sonny's here <laughs> I like coach Sonny <laughs> Guys, hire Coach Sonny. <laughs> if people want to find you, where can they find you? I th So right now, I have a website for my coaching practice, which mm -hmm. is just sonnymccandless.com. And I have a blog. I'm actually probably tomorrow going to post a new one. I post blogs like 
totally randomly. Like there's no rhyme or reason <laughs> or rhythm to when I post things. You but have something to say. <laughs> when I have something to say, I say it and not a moment sooner. Um, but yeah, 35 degrees west at, uh, dot wordpress.com is my blog. And one day those two sh- things should be connected, but they're not yet. And probably at the crag. <laughs> at the crag. Okay. On that note, do you have a favorite place to climb? Oh my gosh. Oof. I mean, I love Vegas. Yeah. The Vegas sport climbing is so fun. The Red Rock sport climbing is really fun. I mean, there's surrounding limestone that's really cool, Mm -hmm. Um, like the Grail in southern Utah. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, there's some some nice places there. I don't even know. You don't even know. I like it all. There's so many good spots. Um, I just went to the Buttermilks for the first time and was, like, totally enamored. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So you love it all. I love it all. That's a great answer. Oh, do you want people to follow you on Instagram? Yep. You could, they can. I'm just, it's just Sonny McCandless. So. On Instagram people. <laughs> That's the only social media platform that I really use. Because the pictures so, are so pretty, right? I, yeah. I'm like, Twitter is just not my scene. No. I don't even have a business page on Facebook. I'm like, Facebook's done. Yeah. It's dead to me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Instagram is where it's at. <laughs> I'm a fan. Well, it's been so lovely talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so much for meeting me and being patient with my slightly... The loop, man. I, the loop. The loop. <laughs> and everyone's driving and gazing. And the I trick was, about the loop is to know it's a two-lane road for everyone out there. The loop road is two lanes. You can pass. So if you're going slowly, get on the freaking right side of the road and pass on the left. PSA from Sonny McCandless. PSA. People. The loop is two, two lanes. From the locals here. We all want you to know. Move right. I spend too much of my life in that loop. <laughs> well, this has been lovely. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks. Let's see if I can shut this off. Can I type the password? <laughs> Without the... With the yes! yes! I did <laughs>because Sonny McCandless is a busy woman and I spent a lot of our interview time fucking around with trying to unlock my own laptop. Apparently don't know the password as well as I thought I did. Um, you know, adjusting the temperature, eating cough drops, coughing, moving the microphone, changing microphone settings. I don't I don't I think I was just nervous. I don't know. Anyway, because of all the fucking around I did. We have a little bit of extra time today, so we're going to try out a segment called Mansplaining. This is a segment where listeners can write in and talk about an experience they've had while climbing that maybe like wasn't the greatest. I'm talking about a little bit of sexism here, people. So the idea is we just talk about these things. Maybe we can laugh and maybe like you like I need to. You can do a little, a little, I wouldn't call it revenge. That's not the right word. You know, it's been like three months since this thing happened to me. So maybe, uh, have, you know, work on our comeback and be able to put that out there in the world as kind of a karmic response, though perhaps we, read I, weren't quite sure 
what to say in the moment. So setting the scene, I'm getting ready to work on a project at the gym. I've been trying to climb this fucking thing clean for about a week. I don't know, two weeks. It's just, it's just, it's, it's new, new grade to me working super hard. It's in the corner. It's really lovely. Got some nice stemming. It's no longer up. This is a while ago. Those of you at Cirque Climbing Gym who listen to this, which I think is just Hannah Allen Young. I don't even know. It's not there anymore. It was blue in the corner by the slab wall. Anyway, it's a busy day. There's lots of people around. There's an older dude and like a younger dude kind of fucking around on top rope. And you know, it's the corner, so it's trying to be respectful of their space. So I go up to the younger dude, and I say, are you guys climbing in the corner, or are you over here? And he says, we're over here. And I was like, great, thanks. And I turn, I turn to walk away to grab my climbing partner, Erin Marie Coyle, and the guy says to me, wait, are you going to climb that? And then he looks at me. He does the full body scan. It was like head, boobs, waist, crotch, toes, and like back up. His eyebrows were raised like really far, like into his hairline. And I was like, uh, yes. And then proceeded just to fucking flail on this route. It was really embarrassing. I got super sweaty. And he was climbing like a few grades below me alongside and I'm at the crux super sweaty just like climbing like total shit and he says you got it buddy (laughs) just fucking goes up his grade redacted or whatever the fuck he was on anyway if this were to happen to me again I would like to have a slightly more forceful response something along the lines of Yes, I am fucking climbing that. And then I'd like to actually, you know, crush it instead of flailing in such a manner. And then, like, the part, the part, the part where I'm, like, at the crux and this fucking dick calls me buddy. I think I would have liked something along the lines of fuck off, maybe. Or I think just basically fuck off. Or maybe, um, you're a dick? No, that's not very good. Okay, I couldn't think of any comebacks of my own, so I googled some. How about this? I'm trying my absolute hardest to see things from your perspective, but I just can't get my head that far up my ass. Your ass must be pretty jealous of all the shit that comes out of your mouth. Remember when I asked for your opinion? Me neither. I'm not a proctologist, but I know an asshole when I see one. I can't help imagining how much more pleasant this climb would be if your dad had just pulled out. Sorry, Mom. (laughs) Can you die of constipation? I ask because I'm worried about how full of shit you are. If I wanted to hear from an asshole, I'd fart. I'd tell you how I really feel, but I wasn't born with enough middle fingers to express myself in this case. I'd tell you to go fuck yourself. But that would be cruel and unusual punishment. (sighs) I was going to give you a nasty look, but I see you already have one. Earth is full. Go home. Those are from thoughtcatalog.com backslash Melanie Berlier. 
sorry, Melanie, backslash 2016, backslash 02, backslash 50, hyphen hilarious, hyphen comebacks, hyphen that, hyphen will, hyphen shut, hyphen everyone, hyphen up, hyphen and, hyphen make, hyphen you, mm, hyphen look, hyphen like, hyphen a, hyphen genius. Anyway, dude who questioned my ability... P.S. I came back the next day and climbed that shit so fucking clean, it was pretty. So to that dude, if by some strange chance you happen to listen to this podcast and recognize yourself, two things I find to be quite unlikely, the next time you talk to a lady in the gym, don't be a fuckhead. Thanks. I haven't figured out how to follow the advice of Sonny McCandless and also make it funny enough for a podcast. So, like, in reality, for the cause, I would really like to be able to stop and say, Hey dude, did you know you just scanned my body with your eyes? It made me feel gross. And, have you considered that potentially I might be a better climber than you? I know it's confusing for you because I'm a woman, but there are a lot of female climbers who can kick your ass. So before you question my ability in the future, or the ability of one of my fellow females, just take a minute and think about what the fuck is going to come out of your mouth. Sonny, I'm trying to be like, you know, educational, but mostly I just feel like swearing. So... Can you help me write a script? <laughs> Could you write a blog post about educational yet effective comebacks for instances of sexism in the climbing community? Okay, thanks. Also to kill time, because I'm trying to make this an hour, people, is a potentially controversial segment called Rename That Route. It was an idea I first had when I experienced a route called Jenny Swallows. Turns out, I think I fucked up. I don't think it's actually called Jenny Swallows. I think it's called Did Lewinsky Swallow, which somehow turned into Jenny in my mind. I don't know. The point being, there is a bit of a tradition of <sighs> the double entendre and just the straight up kind of gnarly gross route names in the climbing community, and I fucking love it. Problem is that it is largely skewed towards the male perspective, and so just as a little, a little, a little nod, I'd like to propose some alternative names. So today we're looking at Did Lewinsky Swallow. This route is on the Middle East Wall at Vantage, also known as Frenchman Cooley, in, you guessed it, Washington State. Really cool natural feature. Lots of people on the weekends go during the week. Maybe don't go during the week. Go on the weekends. <laughs> it's a 50-foot trad route, first ascent by Bill Robbins and Paul Serta. You guys are funny. 
but it's not the 90s anymore. On Mountain Project, it's described as climb up a lucish, lucish, lucish? No, it says lucish crack, doing some jamming, like you might in a crack, and a bit of face to a small ledge. From here, a clean hand crack leads to a roof. Pull this roof or face climb around to the left on giant holds. A few high step moves on huge holds leads up to the top. The location is left of fisting slash super fund. Look for a hand slash fist crack leading to a roof. Protection is pro to four inches. And I think I'd like to go for the ultimate symbol of the free and empowered female and rename this route Free Bleed. Just think about it. This was a little more exciting when I thought this route was named Jenny Swallows. I was just like, who's Jenny? Are these people like Doke? Or are they shaming her? Like, what's the dynamic here? Anyway, it kind of, it's like pretty personal. Maybe having a route named that isn't a great idea. But anyway, it's not Jenny. It's Monica. We'll see how this goes. Hope you're cool. Bill and Paul. Bill and Paul? Bill and Paul. <laughs> Announcements. A very important call out if you have a little extra cash. A sweet crag dog named Ellie, she's a local at Cirque Climbing Gym in Lacey, Washington, was in a car accident um, over last week. She was in her crate, but she unfortunately broke her leg and she needs some help with her medical bills because it was President's Day weekend and it turns out orthopedic vet surgeons make bank. So if you have, you know, five extra bucks, 10 extra bucks, 25 extra bucks, any amount of extra bucks, you can go support her at www.gofundme.com backslash McDowell hyphen car hyphen accident. McDowell is spelled M-C-D-O-W-E-L-L. Special thanks to Sonny McCandless who let me pee in her toilet. I have now peed in Alex Honnold's toilet, everybody. Thanks, guys. Who was just really lovely and super cool. She sat in the really hot van and, you know, just sweated right alongside me. She just has a really wonderful presence. And, yeah, I just feel really lucky that we got to spend a little time together. So, seriously, people, if you need a coach, contact her. Yeah, that's it. No one ever emails, so I don't even care. If you need anything, check out masturbatalladies.com. 
or our social medias, Facebook and Instagram. We don't do Twitter. Masturbated ladies. Still looking for boulderers. You got something to say? I bet you don't, because bouldering sucks. I'm trying to use reverse psychology here, people. As always, I'm Zoe Ailshire. Thanks for listening. Bye. Don't feed the wildlife, people. Get it together. <laughs>